Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We are back for another week of European European football action. Now, this week we have once again we've not got Alex, but we have got a brand new member to our team who will be covering all things Bundesliga in Germany. So, our newest member of the team is Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. Glad to have um, someone on to talk about Bundesliga. It's a league that we've been massively missing so far on the pod, so it's nice to have someone who can cover it, which is obviously one of the biggest leagues in the world. Something, a league that me and Ryan have obviously experienced in recent weeks, if anyone watches our YouTube channel. So it's really nice to have someone someone um, on, on the channel, on the podcast, that can talk about German football. Um, so, yeah, obviously... We want to get, obviously, all our listeners to get from you, sort of, who you are, what you're all about. So we'll let you introduce yourself, uh, Jonathan. So t- tell us about, firstly, where you're from, uh, what got you into German football, and then uh, is there a team you support either in Germany or the country you're from? Yeah, so I'm from uh, San Francisco, California, um, pretty far away from probably most of the listeners are. I actually got into German football, really got into it, um, during the beginning of the pandemic, what happened was I was sitting at, at home in California, looking at a, a bunch of white walls, wondering what to do with my life. And the one thing that was on was was German football. I'm a German citizen. Um, and so I decided to choose a team and start following them a lot. So my favorite team is SC Freiburg. Um, they sit in the Black Forest in sort of southwest Germany. And I've really fallen in love with the club. It's a club that their ambitions are not too high. They state every single year all they want to do is survive and get to the next year in the first division in the Bundesliga. I love their transfer policy, and I'm just not the biggest fan of those big clubs that can pretty much buy any player in the world. Freiburg is the perfect fit for me. I recently started a website called Das Land of Football, DasLandFB.com, where every day I just talk about German football and the world of football in general. And um, yeah, I watch the Bundesliga every week and. I think it's the best. I want to get from you as well, someone that obviously lives in a country where the sport is growing every year. Um, in terms of German football out in America, um, how big is it? Because I know the Premier League is getting big in America, but is German football also getting big or is that still a bit behind the Premier League? Yeah, Premier League is still is still the top, top league here. The Bundesliga is growing, I'd say. Um, we're all lucky to be able to watch it on ESPN plus ESPN streams, every single Bundesliga game, which is extremely helpful. We pay $50 a year or something to get all of the games. Um, but MLS is still, still growing heavily. New teams are added every single year, but the premier league is top. I've got a lot of friends that are Chelsea fans, United fans, but the Bundesliga is growing along with the MLS. Obviously MLS is still, the worst. It's, it's almost unwatchable for me, uh, but I think in a couple of years, Bundesliga will will be in a place that you know we would have never thought it would be before in America. And is is the app anything like Game Pass, NFL Game Pass, where you can watch any game you want, sort of whenever you want, or is it only when the games are actually being played you can watch them? Yeah, right. You can you can watch it at any time. Sometimes I'll wake up a little too late. And I can just go back and start it over from the beginning. Um, even yesterday, I wanted to watch the Hoffenheim game from this past weekend. So I was able to watch a replay of that game. So uh, it's really great. I wish 
all leagues were like that. NBC gets a little difficult with the Premier League. Sometimes you have to buy a special package for that. But ESPN Plus does it right. Well, I think that's amazing. I think something that could actually be amazing in our, even in the UK Premier League. Because there's a rule that you can't watch a game legally at three o'clock on TV on a Saturday. There's like some law about it, but I would love there to be an option like Amazon Prime right now. These last couple of days, t- today and yesterday and tomorrow, you can watch any of the games from the start, even though the games already began. So I think that probably is the future of football along the way, and I do think that would be nice for fans. You know, if you do miss a game, especially this time of year when there's a million games on at once, it would be nice to have that option to do that. Um, but you mentioned you are Bundesliga, so we'll let you go to your let you go first. So we'll let you do your Bundesliga review for last week. So what has been happening in Germany this week? Well, this past week, and especially this past weekend, uh, we had a bunch of interesting games. I want to start off with the VFL Bochum versus Freiburg game. Freiburg had lost two in a row up to this game, and Bochum was a team that, at the start of the season, everyone pegged to be going down along with right to Firth, right to Firth, who looked to be the worst team in Bundesliga history. But Bochum has actually won a couple of games. They beat Freiburg 2-1, which is a massive three points for them because Freiburg is still in the Champions League places. They had an unbelievable long-range goal from, that goal from the, the halfway line. Um, so it really does look like Bochum have a good chance of staying up this year. Uh, we also had a derby last weekend between Cologne and Mönchengladbach. Uh, Cologne won four to one against a Mönchengladbach side that, under Adi Hüter, who's come over from Frankfurt in the off season, they've been so up and down. It seems like they either scoring five, or they're getting absolutely thrashed by the opposing side. I've only been able to put up one goal. Jonas Hoffman, though, for Mönchengladbach has been um, a really a stud player. He can play at any position. Plays for the German national team at right back. Plays a. Uh, further up for Gladbach in a more attacking position. Uh, but that side, they just need to find some consistency because they have the talent to do so and, and shoot for Europe. Um, Dortmund beat Wolfsburg 3-1. to one. Wolfsburg are in a bit of a tough stretch at the mo- moment. They fired their coach after about 13 competitive games in Mark Van Bommel. They lost again today. They recently appointed Florian Kofeld, who uh, was relegated with Werder Bremen last year. They just need some help in the midfield. Um, their number six is out with an ACL injury. He's going to be gone for a long time. I feel like they need to make some sort of move this winter in order to secure a place, at least maybe in the Europa League for next season. Uh, they're still in the Champions League right now. They probably won't get out of that group, but they're really struggling. Dortmund, big win for them. Looks like they're going to get Erling Holland back, um, and he'll be able to start this weekend in the, their classicer against Bayern Munich. Without Erling Holland, Dortmund just aren't the same team. Daniel Malin has slowly improved. Um, he came over from PSV this past summer, but the defense is really shaky. Uh, Matt Hummels and Manuel Kanji are either great or extremely mistake-prone, so you really don't know what you're going to get with that Dortmund side. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Bayern and Bayern again. Uh, they're only one point, uh, only one point of a difference that separates Dortmund and Bayern on the table at the moment. But I don't see Dortmund being able to put up any sort of fight with Bayern this year. You look at the talent on both of these sides, Bayern's are just much more well-rounded, especially in the attacking front. Dortmund have a lot of young guys like American Gio Reyna. Um, Torgan Hazard's been okay, but they've got a lot of injuries they're dealing with. And I think Bayern as a whole 
are just the better side and they'll win another Bundesliga title this year. It's getting a little tiring at this point, but they're the best side. What can we do? Yeah, I mean, we've seen this in the past with leagues like Serie A, which obviously now has changed a lot. So now Juventus, who won it for so many years, you now see Inter Milan win it last year and probably someone else like AC or Napoli this year win it in Serie A. Um, now, what, what, what do you think it will take for Bayern to be dethroned? Is there any team that, other than Dortmund you think can challenge them in the next year or two or three? But Or if not, what do you think needs to happen in order to buy, for Bayern's dominance to be, to be stopped? Well, I think the big thing for Bayern is going to be their back line. They lost Jerome Boateng um, this past offseason. Nicolas Sule looks like he's going to leave. Um, in the summer, obviously, David Alaba went to Real Madrid. So they're still a little thin at the back. Upa Meccano came over from Le- Leipzig. Lucas Hernandez might still be in some legal trouble. It's hard to tell what's happening with that. But if they don't add some help next summer or even in the winter, I think that could open up some opportunities for some teams to come in. Leverkusen's to the third right now on the table. Um, they have a lot of attacking talent. Florian Wirtz is an 18-year-old wonder kid that is going to make a move to the Premier League one day. Um, He could turn into one of the best players in the world. He's been absolutely phenomenal. So I think Leverkusen could make a push. Leipzig right now are eighth. They're still sort of coming to terms under new trainer and Jesse Marsh. Um, And they have tons of attacking talent, but their defense as well is a little shaky. They're so, so young. Um, They have so much talent that they can't seem to get the right squad or the right formation in place because they're constantly changing this. You've got Angelino, who's great crossing balls into the box, but at the back end, um, he he's not great. He's so small that he just gets overpowered by wingers. So at the end of the day, I think Leipzig and Leverkusen are those two teams that can best challenge Bayern in the future. But I think they will improve that back line come this summer. They're going to spend a lot of money on the defense, and I think I think they'll just be all right. Dortmund, they could add some midfield help and and some young defenders as well. They could still challenge uh, Bayern, but at the moment, with guys like Serge Gnabry, Sané, Lewandowski, Müller, hardly any team in the world can beat that team. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think in terms of not even Germany, but I think in Europe, there's not many teams that could beat Bayern on their day. I think when it comes to the Champions League, they're definitely, once again, the absolute favourites to um, make it all the way. But thank you for that, Jonathan. Um, so we will now head to Italy. Um, so, Ryan, what has been happening in the last week in Italy? Righty-ho. Well, we kicked off on Friday with the bottom two facing off in Cagliari and Salernitana with a game ending 1-1. Uh, Saturday saw goals in all five games as Empoli shocked Fiorentina with two late goals to win 2-1. Sampdoria dispatched Verona by three goals to one. Juventus lost again, this time at home to Atlanta, thanks to an early goal from Duvan Zapata. More on Juve a little bit later. But the last game of that day saw Inter Milan coming out 2-0 winners over the overachievers Venetia. On Sunday, we saw another five games with Udinese and Genoa sharing a point apiece in a rare 0-0. AC Milan was stunned as Sassuolo beat them 3-1 at the San Siro, with Alessio Romagnoli, who got the goal for Milan, 
was then sent off in the second half, but the game was pretty much over anyway. Sassuolo pulled off a really, really fantastic performance. Bologna bagged themselves a precious three points away to Spezia in a great end-to-end game with the former hammer, Marco Arnautovic, scoring a late, dubious penalty. I think a lot of people felt that it was very harsh on Spezia, but it's what it is with the referees at the moment in Italy. Uh, Roma came out narrow winners over Torino, 1-0. And lastly, Napoli absolutely smashed Lazio 4-0 in the standout performance of the weekend. They really look like they are going to be the champions this season. They're going to get that Squadetto. Uh, we didn't have any games on the Monday night, but last night uh, we saw Atalanta, who continued their winning ways with a 4-0 win over Venetia, who had a week to forget. Fiorentina got back on track with a uh, 3-1 win at home over Sampdoria, with, you guessed it, Dusan Vlahovic bagging yet another goal this season. Uh, Juve did, though, get a win over lowly Salernitana, 2-0, and Verona played out a 0-0 draw with Cagliari. So, a lot of games. There's still some games being played at the moment in uh, in Serie A. Uh, Bologna, who are home to Roma, they're currently 1-0 up. And Inter, who are home to Spezia, also 1-0 up. With the other games coming tonight, AC Milan, who are away to Genoa, and Sassuolo, who hosts Napoli, in what will be a very interesting game after them results at the weekend. But I did mention there that I'd just go into Juve a little bit. And obviously, there's been a lot of news over the last week or so regarding the investigation into them and obviously their massive underachieving this season. But let's rewind the clock back to the summer of 2018 where life was somewhat normal. Coronavirus didn't exist. Everything was good. And Cristiano Ronaldo just signed for Juventus from Real Madrid for 105 million euros, give or take. Reportedly earned himself over a million euros a week. Now, this was the start of the decline for Juve, and it was meant to be the other way around. Of course, we can point to COVID-19, the failed Maurizio Sarri and Andrea Pirlo experiments, and then this summer losing Ronaldo for almost a fifth of what they paid for him originally. But the sign in the first place for me was the catalyst in their downfall because, of course, bringing in someone of Ronaldo's status will increase revenue somewhat and almost glorify Juve as a club to go on and challenge PSG and Man City for future Champions League titles and even future players. But you'd be wrong. Now, before going further, we shouldn't go too overboard because it's not like they've been relegated to Serie B yet, but they only just made the Champions League places last year and this season they look like they'll miss out altogether. They're currently in eighth in the league, some way off the top teams at the moment in terms of both league position and in quality, you know, you have to say, and not even a coach of Max Allegri standards could fix them. If there was someone like Pirlo in charge, you know, someone who hadn't been in the job very long or someone inexperienced, you can understand that a little bit, but they've got one of the best managers in the world and even he can't sort them out because their squad is very much unbalanced with a surplus of midfielders who don't even want to be there. Aaron Ramsey, Weston McKenney, and Rodrigo Bentecura constantly linked with moves away. Aaron Ramsey, I mean, he, he he's hardly had a kick of the ball this season. And there's rumours that they're willing to actually give him away for nothing in January, which shows just the, the vast mistakes made in that signing. But 
their main problem is goals. Now, Ronaldo saved them over the past two seasons by scoring pretty much the majority of their goals. But without him, they're relying on Moise Ken, Paolo Dybala and Alvaro Morata. Now, none of them are, are prolific goal scorers. And with Federico Chiesa and Kulazeski not being the most prolific goal-scoring wingers themselves, of course, they're, they're suffering. But, f- I mean, for me, a quick fix would be signing someone like Alex Lacazette, maybe, from Arsenal for a small fee in January because of his contract situation. And then in the summer, looking at someone like Dusan Vlahovic for the future because they do need a striker. However, this may be very optimistic of them because of the investigation that went to them. And you must be thinking, surely not an investigation into a, a classy club and a, a pristine club as Juventus. You know, they surely can't be in trouble, but I, I assure you they, they very much are. Um, now, they're being investigated by the Guardia di Financia, Italy's financial police, over reportedly inflating the price of some of their players on their accounts when selling them. Now, it's said that they brought in around 280-odd million euros from exaggerated prices over the period of 2019 to 2021, so two-year span. Uh, Miralem Pjanic and Emi Aldaro are two deals that stand out as being quite funny. Now, because they signed Ronaldo and because of his mammoth wages took up so much of the club's revenue, this meant they couldn't then sign players for the areas that they needed to, which has now led them to this point, both in terms of having an unbalanced squad and players that they want to shift out, but they just can't. Also, the decrease in TV rights and the effect of COVID-19 have had major impact on their finances anyway. But the fact that they signed when they signed Aaron Ramsey and Adrian Rabiot, both on free contracts, they gave those two players ridiculously overpriced wages. I think Ramsey was something on, you know, 300-odd thousand pounds or euros a week. Rabiot probably is on something very similar. This, for me, highlights Fabio Paratici's three-year spell in charge. I didn't think he was that much of a coup for Tottenham when they got him because he'd done a poor job for Juve, for me, and I, I, I wasn't that impressed with him there. And I haven't been that impressed with him at Tottenham either. You know, they got Conte in for however long they'll last. But in it, <laughs> to summarise, if they're found guilty, they'll either be heavily fined or they could face a points deduction. I think that it's more likely that they're probably going to get fined if they are found guilty. But you've got the president, Andrea Agnelli, the vice president, Pavel Nedved, and then the former director of football, Peratici, who are all under investigation. But the issue is with the case is finding out the true value of the players that they sold, as obviously valuations are subject to opinions. One club might value someone at some, you know, a certain price. Another club might think, you know, he's too dear, he's too, he's too cheap. You don't know, but it's working out the fine details on that one, and it's probably going to take some time. But you know, once again, you've you know they find themselves in trouble with the law. It shouldn't shock anybody, and for me, you know, it just it it shows that they haven't learned from their previous mistakes, and it it might come back to bite them again. You know, there's there's rumours that they could even stripped of uh, their title from two a couple of seasons back they could even be you know demoted back down to Serie B which we saw you know all those years ago so it's never a dull moment in Italy or with Serie A but yeah yeah again uh, it's drama
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I wasn't actually aware of, all their problems and all the investigation. So that's really interesting that that's happened. So um should be obviously not as bad, but a shades of the 2000, was it 2006 yeah. incident. So, yeah, it just, it just strikes me a bit like that. And I said it in our Top 10 Clubs in the World podcast that obviously that's why I didn't have them in because they're doing stuff like this and they're doing it again. So it is no shock to me whatsoever. Um but yeah, thank you for that, Ryan. That was actually that was really, really interesting. So thank you for that very much. Um, Naeem, what has been happening in Spain this week? Yeah, so more more or less more of the same things have been happening. Um, so on Friday night, Athletic Club kicked us off. They took on Granada at home. The game ended in a 2-2 draw with Inigo Martinez getting a late red card for a last man foul. On a Saturday, saw Celta Vigo, they got their first win in four games against Deportivo, with Iago Aspas and Santamino getting on the score sheet for Celta Vigo. They have a game on Saturday, saw Valencia, they took on Rayo Vallecano, which ended in another draw, which was 1-1. Carlos Soler, he opened up the scoring in the 19th minute with a penalty before Easy Palazon scored in the 64th minute to equalise. So... Valencia, they've they've drawn the last three games. Um, yeah, they're not only with one win in the last ten, so they're not doing very well at the moment. They started off well um, at the start of the season, but their form has dipped of late. Uh, Real Mallorca, they got a nil-nil draw against Getafe. Not much to report on there. Villarreal, they took on Barcelona in a late kickoff on the Saturday. Barcelona would eventually run out three-one winners. With Frankie Dion opening up the scoring before Samuel Chakwezi, he equalised in the 76th minute with Memphis Depay and Philippe Coutinho scoring late on to secure a 3-1 win for Xavi. He's um, still unbeaten in the first couple games he managed. Real Betis, they took on Avante at home. Uh, former Arsenal defender, squad Ramastafi, he opened up the scoring in the first seven minutes before a, a hat-trick in the second half by Juanmi. Um all three of his goals were good. Um, if you check, check that out if you can. So they got a 3-1 win against Levante. Espanyol, they surprisingly beat um, Real Sociedad 1-0 at home, thanks to Herrera. Um, obviously, Real Sociedad, they are third in the table at the moment, but they haven't, they haven't won the last two games, so they might, they might start falling away at the moment, but we, we are yet to see. Cadiz, they took on Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid uh, walked away 4-1 winners with Thomas Lamar, Antoine Griezmann, Angel Carrera and Mark Mateus Cunha scoring the goals for Atletico with An- Anthony Lozano getting the goal, goal back when it was 3-0. So that's what's happened in that game. Um, Real Madrid, uh, they took on Sevilla um, in late kickoff on the Sunday which saw Real Madrid win 2-1 against Sevilla, which was a pretty good good and even game, to be fair. Um, obviously, Sevilla, they opened up the scoring first with a goal from Rafa Mir before uh, Karim Benzema scored, scored again with, his, with a 32-minute strike. Before, late on, Vinicius Jr., um, he scored a pretty good goal from outside the box, to, um, to, which would obviously be the winner for them. Um, just one thing on Vinicius Junior. Um, he's actually been one of Real Madrid's better players this season. Um, obviously, last season he he had 35 appearances in the league. Uh, I think he got three goals and three assists. 
But if you compare that to this season, he's got nine goals and two assists so far in the league. So he has he's been doing pretty well for them so far this season. Um, Carlo Ancelotti seems to be getting a better tune out of him, and it's crazy to think that he's only still only twenty one, so he he still probably can get better and better. Um, and then yeah, the last game, um, which was on Monday, so Osasuna they drew one all with Elche. Both goals coming in the first half. Um, so yeah. Uh, to, at 8 o'clock tonight, we do have Real Madrid. They are taking on Athletic Club at home. Um, this was a rearranged fixture, so they're playing catch-up. So if Real Madrid win their game in hand tonight, uh, that will put them on 36 points, uh, 7 points clear of Atletico Madrid, but they, they've only played 14 games anyway. So, Well, at the bottom of the table... Um, it's still Levante. They're on seven points. They're still the only team in the league without a win. Uh, 19th place is Getafe. They're on 10 points. And 18th place is, is secured by Cadiz, who are on 12 points. The top four is Real Madrid. They're on 33 points. Atletico Madrid, they're on 29 points. Same with Atletico. Sorry, with Real Sociedad. Uh, they're on 29 as well, but they've played a game more. Uh, Sevilla, they are t- on 28 points and they're in fourth place. And then Real Betis, they're on 27 points and uh, Rayo Vallecano are on 24 points. So that's a quick little roundup of the games um, this weekend. I just, just want to jump in. Yeah. I don't know if um, if, if you saw the uh, Raleo Sociedad game from the weekend, Noem. I think it was on Sunday, was it? Um uh, Saturday, I believe. Yeah, Saturday it was on. No, sorry, sorry, you're right. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, so yeah, on Sunday, obviously, um, I watched the game, yeah. and basically, Real Sociedad had a goal disallowed, from Alexander Isaac, and I'm, I don't think anyone's still sure why it was disallowed because basically, Sociedad went forward a little bit, made the pass along, you know, just outside the out, you know penalty area it hit the referee but the ball was always going to still be going to the Sociedad player anyway it hardly you know made any difference to the momentum yeah. of going forwards you know the ball came over the top Isaac ran through chipped over the goalkeeper and it was a goal now he he allowed the play to go on and then when he scored he then he then basically said you know stop he had all the players going over to him he was speaking to VAR, who there's nothing they can do. It was down to the referee to make the decision. And yeah. but the commentators were all, they, they didn't really know what to say. They were all confused. Everyone was confused. It didn't look like the referee knew what he was doing. And they said that this referee in particular in Spain is almost like the Mike Dean of the Premier League. He, he has to make everything about himself. And mm-hmm. That's what it looked like to me. I was, still, I was baffled how, you know, how can you allow play to go on? And then when they score, say, oh, sorry, no. It's not going to happen, you know. It's not going to happen now, and obviously yeah, that see, changed the momentum of the game. Yeah, it's even like, yeah, like you said, it's either you blow up for the blow up for them and let them retake it or let it go on. But yeah, I don't know what you're thinking there, but yeah, one nil win for them anyway is good, good enough for them. But, it was a good goal though, to be fair. Yeah. What Spaniel scored, to, you know, fair, fair play to him, but yeah, a bit odd. Yeah, that sounds awfully strange to make, to make that decision because that sounds to me that obviously I'm not I'm patching it through the description of yourself, your, all your dulcet tones, and it, it feels to me like it that should have been a goal. I, I 
I just don't know why that wasn't given, but um, yeah. Thank you for that, Naeem. That was a lovely um, La Liga segment. Um, and now we head to our final league, which is the Premier League. So um, a bit more got games than usual this week because of um, the midweek games that went on today and yesterday and Thursday. But on Saturday, the weekend started off with a 2-0 win for Arsenal at the Emirates over Newcastle United with uh, Bukayo Saka and Martinelli getting the goals for Arsenal. And then in a battle of two former Premier League greats in Patrick Vieira and Steven Gerrard, the Liverpool, ex-Liverpool player got the better of Vieira with a 2-1 win for Villa over Palace. Um, goals from John McGinn and Matt Target, um, as well as a Gawahi goal for Palace, um, were in this game. Um, Liverpool beat Hampton 4-0 in a very comfortable game. Um, Jota scored twice. Thiago continued his brilliant week with a uh, an, another great goal in this game before Virgil van Dijk scored near the end against his former team. Um, Norwich kept on their um, unbeaten run since Dean Smith came in with a 0-0 draw at home to Wolves. Um, nothing much, much to report here. Pretty dull game by the sounds of it. Um, Brighton leads, same thing, 0-0 again. No real, no, nothing really to report from this game I can, I can remember. But Sunday is where the action really happened. Um, so Spurs and Burnley game got called off due to snow. But Brentford and Everton went ahead. And Brentford got a 1-0 win over Everton with Ivan Tony getting a penalty um, and Everton, of course, is another, another loss for them with Rafa Benitez continuing to have a, to be continually be the favourites, the bookies' favourite to get the sack. Um, and I'm, I'm scared to say this because they are playing us in about two hours' time. So I'm scared to say anything too much about Rafa because he is about to play us at Goodison Park in the Merseyside derby. Um, in the return of Ranieri to Leicester, um, his Watford side lost 4-2 to his former team. Um, so for Watford, it was goals for Emmanuel Dennis and Josh King. Whereas for Leicester, Jamie, Jamie Vardy broke his duck. James Madison did the same thing. And Adola Lukman also got a goal in this game. Um, Man City won 2-1 against West Ham with um, Ilkay Gundogan and Fernandinho getting a goal from Man City before a late consolation. A wonderful strike from uh, Manuel Lanzini for West Ham before Chelsea Manny drew out a 1-1. Jadon Sancho continued his brilliant week with a goal after a Jorginho mistake. But the Italian midfielder shortly made up for this with a penalty um, late on and Rudiger could have won the game right at the end but sadly missed a really good chance to um, to win the game and then yesterday um, Newcastle Norwich played out a 1-1 draw uh, Kieran Clark got an early red card before a VR, VAR decided penalty so Callum Wilson get the goal before Tiba Puki scored with about 10 minutes left of the game and then Late drama at Leeds. They won in the last minute thanks to Rafinha, um, who got a last minute penalty, which is once again a penalty that was given thanks to VAR. And just like a certain player we're going to mention in a minute, he was robbed of the three points in fantasy football. Um, and then tonight, the games we have tonight, albeit when the podcast comes out, these games will be finished. But we've got Southampton against Leicester, Watford against Chelsea, West Ham against Brighton, Wolves against Burnley, Villa against Man City. Everton against Liverpool before we see on Thursday Spurs against Brentford and Man U against Arsenal. Now, my my talking point this week isn't to do with the Premier League, it's to do with the whole of Europe. Now, last night, um, the awards for Ballon d'Or were given out. So, um, certain awards, I think Donnarumma got the goalkeeper of the year, uh, with Edouard Mendy was second, um, I think Jan Oblak was third. But then in terms of the Ballon d'Or, um, the top seven I can remember, it was Mo Salah seventh, Cristiano Ronaldo sixth, um, it was N'Golo Kante fifth, Kareem Benzema fourth, Jorginho third, Rob Lewandowski second, and then Lionel Messi won yet another Ballon d'Or, which is his seventh in total. Now, I want to get your boys' thoughts on this, because for me, I feel like, once again, 
the award hasn't gone to the right person. I mean, last year the, the award should have happened. I don't know why they didn't, but Lewandowski should have won it last year. And this year, once again, he had a spectacular year, but he didn't win it because Messi has something lean on Messi. For me, I can see why in a way, because he did win, a, obviously, a Cup America um, and stuff like that. But then Rob Lewandowski had an amazing season. And I think that, for me, I think there's a issue with Ballon d'Ors in terms of they go for the name of popularity contest, but also they go for the trophies rather than how the player actually performs. I mean, this is just why Jorginho got third place. I mean, he had a great year, a really good year. I really like Jorginho, but to have him top three for me was a bit of a stretch. I'd have him probably in the top six or seven. Um, and then, of course, for me, Lewandowski, whilst he didn't win, you know, international tournament, he did. He's playing for a much worse team, and I think that he really, if a, in terms of Poland, I just think personally it was a real shame for Lewandowski that he couldn't win it last year and then this year he didn't win it which I think he should have I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't have been annoyed if it was Benzema but I think Lewandowski for me should have been a winner um, and I think for me even Salah should have been higher up but then again we weren't exactly great last year and that's what they take into account is how a team performs in terms of trophies so um, yeah I'll get your thoughts on this first we'll, we'll, we'll go to the new boy Jonathan um do you think Messi should have won it, or was there a player you thought should have won it instead? This this is a frustrating one for me. Um, I've got a very close friend that might be the bi- biggest Bayern fan and supporter in the world. Um, and we were talking about this yesterday. He was actually at the Ballon d'Or in Paris. Um, it's wow. it's just a shambles. It's it's um, the shambles to have this happen. And um, Lewandowski. I mean, he averaged. I can't remember if it was 1.2 or 1.4 goals a game. Um, 2020, he obviously deserved it. Um, They canceled it this year. I still think he deserved it again. It wasn't as incredible as 2020, but he performed far far better than um, Messi for the entire year. Um, I think it just shows uh, Ballon d'Ors, they prioritize, you know, those trophies, especially those international trophies I've seen with Jorginho getting third. Um, Mendy, in my opinion, far deserved uh, the best goalkeeper award over Donnarumma. But, you know, Donnarumma did help Italy win the Euros. Uh, I, it's just, I'm still upset about it. I don't think I'll I'll let it go for quite some time. But uh, the award is, it really is, like you said, it's, it's a popularity contest at this point. They're going to go for the big names, Messi and Ronaldo, every time. Um, and it's just sad. It, uh, I've lost a lot of respect uh, for this award, and it just doesn't feel real. It just doesn't feel real. Yeah, and I think you even look back at the 2018 war where Modric won it. Um, that was point one year where Messi should have won it. I mean, that was the year where Messi was clearly the the winner, and he didn't win it. I th- I think personally because they were trying to make the award for once not about them too. And obviously Modric did well with Madrid and Croatia, but I think it's just ironic that the one year he should have won it, he didn't win it, Messi, and then the one year he probably shouldn't have won it. Um, he did. So for me, I think that um, th- this kind of thing is, as you're saying rightly, Jonathan, it is tarnishing the award. It is sort of making it sort of the valid- validity of the award get less and less. I think that if this carries on happening in the next well, five, ten years, whether that's them favouring people like Messi or when he retires, maybe Mbappe will be the same sort of thing. He'll get prioritised. Um, and I think that it's just going to be more and more that happens and more and more fans aren't going to watch it and the more it's just going to end up potentially just being a award that no one actually cares about. Um, but yeah, um, Ryan, 
do you think do you think do you agree with me and Jonathan do you think it shouldn't be messy or are you someone that thinks it should be messy I disagree massively um when you look at obviously this is based on last season so 2020 2021 you know you're not taking into account this season which you know you can't really take much into account but you look at the stats obviously for last season on being Alex here uh, <laughs> Messi in a very 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 poor Barcelona side still for the whole season scored 38 goals and created 14 assists so 52 goals he averaged 47 appearances now Lewandowski um, got 48 goals and nine assists so 57 so fair enough he, he averaged a few more goals he broke a few more records and I don't think anyone I don't I can't really complain if either of them won it at first I was very pro Lewandowski to get in it I felt he deserved it but I can't also disagree with Messi not getting it I don't think it's a it's a farce or it's it's a disgrace or anything that Lewandowski hasn't got it I felt it was very close Um, it's more of a farce you know the way that they actually had the other players on the list because you know if they're basing it just off trophies won that's just that's ridiculous because you could you know you you can look at past players and say well you know they won more trophies that season so they should get it you know and that's not it's how good that player has individually been and how he's also affected the club he's been at and you know Jorginho for just because you know Chelsea won the Champions League oh he was he was really top class player for Chelsea last season but I don't think he was any better than than Kante in fifth. I don't think he was definitely weren't better than Salah in seventh, or uh, even Haaland. Haaland in eleventh after the yeah, season that's, he had. That's so strange. That was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I can't remember Benzema being in fourth because he had a great season and he's still having a great season for Real Madrid. But you know, <laughs> even Mason Mount in nineteenth. I mean, what the hell is that? Oh no, I, I, I. I've totaled, I don't mind that because he, he, no. he was good in that Champions League. He, that Champions League no. run, and he was good. Hasn't been good this year, but I think last year he was he was really good. So te- I, have no, I have no problem with that. And being you're, te- you're telling me he had a he had a better season than the likes of Bruno Fernandez, Lautaro Martinez, Harry Kane, Pedri, uh, Phil Foden, Nicola Barella, and all them players should no. should, should should be should be <laughs> no. a no. But he just he just set up the winning goal in the Champions League final, so maybe yeah, but, that's <laughs> for doing what for doing one little bit of play. Oh no, he he was good. He was good the whole season. I I I'll back him down. But um, I mean, even uh, you know Simon Kajar, who obviously you know was a hero in the Euros, but somehow he's in he's in 18th. Like, come off it. Yeah, like, I mean. I think it's, that's probably down to the his his like his sort of her- heroism in the tournament. But yeah, but they, they, could have, they could have gave him you know, you know they gave him recognition for it. They you know he could have yeah, given yeah. given him a a fair play award or something like that. But you know again the the list itself is is absolutely ridiculous. But I don't think I can have any any real complaints with how the one and two have ended up. They could have gone in any order for me, but I don't think. It can be called anything, you know, other than that, really. Yeah, I mean, you made a point about um, the fact that they're going for trophies more than the actual performances. And I think this is why, another reason why, I'm going back to it again, the Gerard Lampard skulls debate. Um, everyone always, whenever everyone says skulls over Gerard, they would mention the same thing, but he's won, he's won more trophies. But then I was saying that personally, you can't do that because 
on that basis, I'm saying this point again, on that basis, people like Anderson and Cleb and Clemson had better careers than Gerard. And I think that um and I think, yeah, I think sometimes people do factor mm-hmm. in trophies a lot more than it's the same for NFL, same for a lot of sports. People factor in factor in trophies more than how they actually played. So um for me, yeah, it's it is a shame. Um Naeem, now we've had arguments so far for and against Messi winning it. Which side of the fence are you on? Kind of like split, to be fair, but I can see why Messi's won it. But with the Ballon d'Or, man, I, I don't really care about it anymore, to be fair. Like, it's like you guys like, now. That's yeah, now. Like, like you guys are saying, it's kind of just like who's won the most trophies, who's done, you know, who's, who's been good recently. But I, obviously, Messi's won his first um, international trophy, you know, Argentina was the, the first Copa America for about was it 20, 30 years or something like that. I don't know the actual exact um, years, but. He had a good he had a good season to be fair, like Ryan was saying, um, you know, Barcelona that team was awful and he still managed to put up those sort of numbers. Obviously Lewandowski's playing for Bayern Munich, you know, they're always winning the league to be fair, but they should have had it on last season and obviously Lewandowski should have won it then because he was a son uh, he was a, another level last last season. Obviously he won won the treble and everything. But yeah, Jordinia in third place, yeah, that yeah, that, that that's 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 the biggest robbery ever, really. To be fair, because I know he won the Champions League in the Euros, but is it is it really better than the other players that that finished like below him? I I don't think so. But yeah, they they need to like I don't know. They need to like maybe revamp these sort of competitions, or they should they should do like different categories like defenders, attackers, and like strikers, or midfielders and strikers to like make it a bit more fairer. But yeah, Messi, he deserved to win it in the end, in my opinion. But, yeah, these sort of award shows, I don't really pay much attention to it because it don't really make no difference, really. But, but, but even Ronaldo mm. in sixth, I mean, he was the top goal scorer last season in Serie A by quite a margin. He scored over 30 goals in a, in again, similar to Messi, in a shit, he ran at his team. Yeah. Like, he was, and, and even this year, what, he broke the... The record for the most international goals by a player. Yep. So, how, how just because just because Kante and Jorginho what won the Champions League, that means that they've had better you know seasons individually. Like, come off it. That's just yes. you know mad, mad. Ronaldo should have been third for me, but yeah, I can see why he was upset as well on on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you weren't happy, was he? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that does conclude our podcast for this week. We are, I'm going to put out a poll on Twitter to get your guys' views on who you think should have won Ballon d'Or this year. Um, but yeah, thank you, everyone, for coming on. Thank you for Jonathan for your first episode. A very good performance. We will look forward to having you on next week for more German football reviews in both domestic and European action. So I have been your host, Andy. This has been Jonathan. This has been Naeem. This has been Ryan. And we'll see you next time. See you later. See you later, guys.